are so many things in life that you have to compromise, especially because of budget, the clothes you buy, the food you buy, and healthcare should not be one of those things. Check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to, and prioritize your health. I use ZocDoc. I have a bunch of health issues. For example, my feet randomly hurting so bad that I cannot walk anywhere. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Go to ZocDoc.com BCC and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc.com BCC. ZocDoc.com BCC. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the chain. We're your hosts. I'm Kendall Landra. And I'm Sarah Shower. And today we're joined by Claire Parker and Ashley Hamilton of the Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Wow. <laughs> Sarah's like losing their mind right now. This is, uh, they're literally my favorite like podcast ever. And we actually, and I don't want to like be, I'm trying not to be weird, but like, yeah, when we were like coming up with like concepts for our podcast, we were like, we need something unique. Like, who has the, and you guys like have such a unique, take on podcasts because usually it's just like shooting the shit or we're talking about something you guys actually invest time well unfortunately only because we had to this <laughs> yeah. is our third podcast I mean anybody who listens knows that this is our third attempt at a podcast and we wanted so badly to just be like former bachelor contestants who could come and talk about nothing and people were invested yeah. but we were so unfamous and unlikable <laughs> that we had to be like well what if we told you something you wanted to know would that get you to listen and <laughs> you would you know? like me then if I told you information <laughs> what if I did a book report a week would we get an A what yes. if I called a celebrity a dumb slut would you like me then yeah. <laughs> probably wait what were the other two podcasts that you guys tried so first was Who's With Tabs, which stole, which stole, which stood for, hold on one second, we're talking about Britney Spears. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we were going like album by album through Britney Spears' discography and through her, the notable moments in that, her career. But tell them the truth. Oh, we were mostly talking about nothing, but then at the end of every episode, <laughs> we would do, we would, we went song by song. I mean, we went song by song at minute 41 of a 48 minute episode. We'd yeah. literally talk about what we did that week, and then suddenly it'd be like hour two, we'd be like, oh my God, should we talk about Britney? <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, then, this week on the VMA, she did a backflip. Okay, see you next week. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. So we did that, and that we ended actually when the Free Britney movement started because we got pretty freaked out about our place in the Britney gossip mill and like Mm -hmm. what it I mean at this point everything was unconfirmed it was just she walked off the stage when she was supposed to announce a new Vegas residency and everyone was like what does it mean I think she's a prisoner and then she went missing for a few months and then there was another Britney podcast that had this insider scoop from a paralegal who worked on her team who did this Mm. anonymous voice note being like no she's being held captive and then there was a lot of back and forth in the rumor mill and we were just like you know what we are comedians we are not lawyers we aren't even like people would beg us to learn a fact every week in our co- reviews they'd be like we love your podcast but we're begging you look one thing up and we were like 
No. No. They're like, how did you pronounce Britney Spears wrong this week? (laughs) (laughs) I love the thought of YouTubing in the documentary. Like, they're like, oh, there's two Britney Spears podcasters. And it's YouTube just like, it's cutting to you just talking about your dating life. Like, literally what the show was. It was crazy. (laughs) And then, and we would do every week, we would be like, how was your week like Britney? And we would just talk about our weeks. But like, pretend that we were talking about Britney Spears. We'd be like, oh, this week I wore like khaki cargo pants from Kohl's as Britney would. Oh, yeah. Or like, Incredible. I called my dad, as I usually don't, much yeah. like Britney would not want to. Yeah. Literally, that was how it went. Yeah. And I think our lowest moment was somebody was a lawyer who listened and actually sent us a document from the court case and like explained it to us and was like, here's what this document means. Here's what's going on with the Free Britney thing. And we and got it we, completely we wrong. Like, we were like, wait a minute. I think it means the opposite. And she had to be like, no. no. Yeah. what I told you, I'm a lawyer. And we were like, oh, sorry. We're going to so, not do the podcast anymore. We were like, oh. yeah, allergic to facts. And we were like, I don't think it's I don't think we're the people you want in your army. So mm-hmm. we did a second podcast called We Are In A Fight With Cara and Ashley. Because at that point, so when we started the Britney podcast, we kind of barely knew each other. And by the end of the Britney podcast, after I think we did 88 episodes, we were best friends. That is mm-hmm. so many. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was crazy. I thought you were going to be like, we did an episode, didn't work out. So we did another one. Didn't no, work for out. sure, like a year and a half. And then, <laughs> and then we went straight into our next podcast that we thought was going to be a hit. And we actually went from like, we were getting like 700 listens at the end of our Britney pod and then we lost a lot of them. We yeah. like went down from so there. It's called oh, yeah. We're in a Fight with Claire and Ashley and it was a podcast about how you can scream at your friends but still love them. It was supposed to be like looking at female friendship through the, like, the way that people look at dating mm-hmm. because I don't know how many people have been caught in a group chat of college friends and all of you kind of hate each other but nobody's allowed to admit no. it and you're all bridesmaids in each other. Like the complexities of a friend breakup. Because you I, can't really just break up. You no, can't just say yeah. I'm not feeling it anymore which no. is so hard like I have friends where I'm like we've been friends for 10 years and you've done nothing wrong we just like have nothing in common anymore we're not in the same place it's hard to connect with you we don't like hanging out but we still have to and you can't just be like this is done no you can't like going through the motions feels so insane but like to act because you it's not like with a normal monogamous relationship culture where you're like okay, well, I can only have one. So if I don't want to be dating you, I have to break up with you. With friends, for someone to be like, oh, I like kind of like don't even want to be texting you memes anymore <laughs> is like so yeah. aggressive. It's very much the Britney Spears but it's thing not where you're like, I haven't seen you yeah. in a year, but the idea of going my- to Miami once is like making me so yeah. resentful. And then you have the friends and you're like, well, what happens to our mutuals? And yeah, and it's like when you're in that group chat where you're like, well, I can only invite four of the five of you because that's so mean. So now I have this person that I can't stand that's just it's getting, yeah. I don't know. So we wanted yeah. to talk about that and it went so badly. <laughs> I cannot tell you the way it blew up in our face. Well, because we structured it around fighting instead of the instead of the good parts of friendship and conflict resolution and so it was because we argue a lot we used to argue a lot more it freaks people out one time we cleared out a Super Bowl party (laughs) over a fight about who should get to use the phone charger Oh, and it made that, people so uncomfortable. We were at somebody else's party. It made yeah. people so uncomfortable that, that like everyone just had to leave. But do yeah. you find that you have a healthy friendship? Now that we're successful, success has been so good <laughs> yeah. for us. We did that us poor was not good for us. It's not. <laughs> I will say because then we would like invest a lot of time and or money in projects. And and then if they like weren't going well, we would like start blaming each other or like because also when we were trying to improve things, we would be like, okay, well, this really didn't work out, but it would come off sometimes quite attacky and we weren't necessarily good at resolving 
conflict in those situations, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. because we were stressed by the fact that we both had full-time day jobs. We were trying to put out yeah. projects together. We were spending, like I said, money. money and time that we, like, did not have on these projects. <laughs> yeah. We had a summer where we both, like, <laughs> like went through we, breakups and were single, and then we both lost our job, like, within a week of each yeah. other. And we spent the whole summer working on this web series that we really thought was going to, like, turn it around for us. That was so, It's the worst thing on YouTube, if you can believe it. It's, What's it called? Can uh, I look it up? Bitchnesses. <laughs> Perfect. Just two bitches running a business. It, we spent five thousand dollars on it. Money that like we did was, like, not all have. Of, like all of our savings went into this project because we really thought it was yeah. going to be our. Um, we thought it was going to be our broad city. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I was like blanking on the East. insecure. We thought yeah. it would be our insecure. insecure yeah. We were like yeah. we put out this YouTube series and, and it's it'll HBO. be on HBO next year. <laughs> and the way that it, I mean, just. I can't even begin to list what went wrong. First of all, we never we read like the scripts can't keep that loud. Talking about it, you know that when we talk about it, I start crying. No, we just put a lot of energy into the wrong things. Like we thought it was really important to have a live snake for this one cutaway gag, yeah, but we never perfect. actually did a table read. And I think going because you're back, dreaming big. Yeah. yeah, and we were like, well, it just won't be funny if there's not a live snake. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you know what? It wasn't funny because we made it so. In- we like. We really kept thinking. Okay, because we were deranged, right? It was a summer yeah. where we were alone together. It's hot. Every day. It was day. literally yeah. just the two of us meeting up every day at this coffee shop that hated us. And it was... <laughs> were you guys, like, reading what you wrote out loud? Yeah, but to each other. And then, like, the problem is we'd go through and through and through and, like, yeah. add more and more inside jokes. We thought it was going to be, like, a rest of development. More, we need more inside jokes. Well, okay, so we literally... This is why we... This is why Ashley has to start crying because we were writing it with this mindset of it's going to be such a cult classic that people are going to be able to rewatch it time and time again and find jokes they didn't see the first time. Uh-huh. But the problem was we um, <laughs> like didn't write like there wasn't a first time like it yeah. came out kind of incoherent. And then another big problem was we hired this woman first mistake to be our DP and she used a camera that she had never used before and she kept on turning it off when she thought she was pressing play. And then she also was obsessed with getting like m- like dynamic shots where she would like miss the action so she'd want to follow us sitting down but she'd be a step behind so we'd be in shot and then sit down and then like a second later the camera would pull like she could like it's like a millennial transition on tiktok yeah 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 yeah. it was always a step behind so she missed a lot of the action she i mean literally we have a we have a scene where she goes rolling action and turns it off and we have audio and then she goes and cut and then the camera comes back on so we also then had to cut out like a lot of stuff because we just literally did not have like the yeah, context for an already like convoluted thing the context would like go missing because the camera missed it and so we'd have to choose shots based on like what was in focus not what made sense and might have even been almost good but we did have the live snake which cost us $100 honestly that feels cheap to me yeah. for a snake yeah I mean it was like kind of under it wasn't sad it was like a rental. <laughs> yeah, he hadn't, his reel wasn't it good was enough like to get a good from a guy job. that Claire's hairdresser knows. Perfect. We were literally like, would you come to Tribeca for $100 and bring your snake? We got one shot. Um, I will say if you read the script, <laughs> I think the snake is introed like, Claire gets a hot dog. On second thought, she gets a second hot dog for the snake. And we had one person who read it and he goes, where'd the snake come from? The first time you hear about the snake, she's buying it a hot dog. <laughs> and then we were like... Yeah, we literally were like, it would make sense when you see it filmed. It'll make sense visually. It's so funny. It'll make sense. Frank Lord just had a snake and two hot dogs. You think it's going to be a cult classic. That's like such a big statement. What's, like that, what's that one movie that's supposed to be bad? The, the not, Room. It's yeah, room. The Room. It's yeah. either called, well, The Room is the one with 
Jacob Tremblay, right? And then Room. Oh, and oh. What, that other girl, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. And, then and can I say, room. it went from being the first room to yes. the room. It okay. was my the room. I felt like I was being held hostage yes. <laughs> by my own idiocy. And then the thing is, we were editing it and like watching it and being like, we know this is so bad, but we spent so much money that we have to finish it and put it out. And it took us like a year to edit because we like fought so much. But I which would- is so hard because then a year later, what you thought ba- was bad, a year ago, a year later, you're it gets gonna worse. Think is even, I mean, the longer you wait, the worse it gets. Yeah, yeah. I would have like chopped it up into B roll and then put it on like a B roll site. So okay, so could, one like, thing write. that we tried to do, <laughs> yeah. we did try to salvage. <laughs> we tried to salvage it by creating a second web series, perfect <laughs> called "Bitchnesses: What Went Wrong," where we would sit in front of a green screen and do a play by play about why. <laughs> That is fun. Our web yeah. series was so bad, and we fought so much we just had to walk away. There was an oh my god! There was one. We were like, there was like this whole inside joke about it being like an empty lecture hall from Spider Man. Yeah, because I shot that at Columbia, and we were like, well, we could just take the train up there, and like, but then I mean, it is. I will say, filming something with somebody trying to co-direct is one of the most eye-opening experiences about how different visions can be Mm -hmm. because you could talk to somebody about every single thing and then the tiniest little thing comes up and it's so clear to you why it should be one way and not it's like I just had a wedding it reminds me of throwing a wedding in that like you cannot believe how many details people can feel so passionately different about that you you wouldn't have even thought you had an opinion on but you're like ready to cut off an ant do you know what I mean yes well that's like why I always because my friend and I made a short film and I feel like when you have no, it was a similar thing. We invested like I think we put fifteen thousand dollars into it. Both of us started with ten thousand dollars worth of credit card debt. So that's what we were starting with. Awesome. And we said let's keep it going. Yeah. We got one stimulus check. Yes. This is just so. That was sixteen hundred, right? Or eight hundred? Sixteen hundred dollars. It was more money than I'd ever had in my life. We were in so much debt, and we both started conspiring about we wanted to hire someone to paint a nude portrait of us to hang over our bathroom, like our toilet. Because we were like, this is what people with money do. We need to do this. We were in so much debt. We only had $1,600. This is when we made, we spent $15,000 on this film. And so when you have like no money, you're like, what's the first thing that should be cut? Maybe a director? Because you're like, I could do it. But I, I'm always like, you gotta get a director. Because it really, you're able to like, they're... I would never want to be a director because I'm like, you're the villain. Like, everyone is going to want to fucking kill you. Yeah. Especially with projects like this where the writers are also the actors and the, yeah. all of that. And you're, but then it's all at this person and you two can be like, we're on the same team. Like, we wrote this and we have the same vision, even if they're totally different, but the director is the one yeah. who's not doing Smart. it. We should find, that's what we need to do. We need to find a, a common enemy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need that's to get so a third true. person on your podcast who you just are like, who hasn't read the stand. books yeah. and it's yeah. like, you're just like, fuck you. And now we don't really fight that much. It's I feel much like we've better. been pretty good. We, yeah, I will say we've gotten so much better because I do think like with the podcast doing well, we, we've we been down and out. And it's so funny. Sometimes people will be like, we're worried you're going to call her daddy each other. And I'm like, first of all, I would for $60 million, I would break up with Ashley, I guess. But, yeah. but it would take that much. And I'm like, you don't understand what we've been through. We survive bitchnesses. Money isn't going to break us up because – we mostly spend all of our money to hang out with each other. So it's yeah. kind of the same pool. Yeah. And when people are like, oh, like, has like have, now that people like listen to your podcast and you guys like it's our full time job now, people are like, oh, I don't like people don't realize that we were doing this for free. Like yeah. we were spending our money to do what mm-hmm. we're doing now for years before anyone was paying us to do it. And so like the money isn't like why we're in it. You know what I yeah. mean? We just like hanging yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. 
Hello, everyone. It's Kendall, and I'm so excited today to share with you that today's episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. I love ZocDoc. We know it to be true. There are so many things in life that you have to compromise, especially because of budget, the clothes you buy, the food you buy, and healthcare should not be one of those things. No matter your budget, you should always be getting good care when it comes to your health. Check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to, and prioritize your health. I use ZocDoc. I have a bunch of health issues, and it is so nice when a new one arises. For example, my feet randomly hurting so bad that I cannot walk anywhere. Um, I don't know an orthopedic doctor, so it's great to go on ZocDoc and make sure that I'm finding one um, that has a bunch of really good reviews from people who have used them before. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Go to ZocDoc.com BCC and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc.com BCC. ZocDoc.com BCC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So you guys are now Celebrity Memoir Book Club. How did you originally get the idea transitioning from this bitchnitzes and <laughs> Britney? Were you like, I just have this affinity for like celebrities? Or did you like reading? And then you were like, this uh, no. makes sense? We don't even know how to read it. We, um, <laughs> we're like looking at the books and just guesstimating. We're both because, dyslexic. Well, because Sarah... <laughs> When we were first like pitching around ideas, Sarah kept bringing out Celebrity Memoir Book Club, and I kept being like, "That sounds amazing." I can't read. Like (laughs) we can't do that. Oh, but I wasn't saying like we should literally read. No, of course. But I was like, anything (laughs) that would even be um, where I would have to read articles. We did an episode the other day. I think is so funny because it's about queer baiting. Yeah, and it is so funny to me because our our wonderful research assistant put like. 30 shows where queer baiting had happened. Mm-hmm. The episode, I seriously love it. It's just us going from one to one and going, did you watch that? No. No. <laughs> no. Did you watch that? No. Like we, I'm like, no research. I couldn't, even though the research, they've done the research. I yeah, said, I can't you don't even have to do research. The research has been done, but you're like, I can't look at the research. <laughs> Where yeah. did you guys fall on queer baiting? You like it or no? <laughs> we love it. Yeah. We're really pro queer baiting. We know we'll that, do it more. Like, queer baiting is like a, a movie like TV term, but I know it's been applied to like real people, which mm. you shouldn't, but you know how meanings get changed. So yeah. I, I think it's not good. Well, it's hard because now, but, well, let me ask you this. In seventh grade, when I was kissing this girl Josie for a dollar for male attention, is that queer baiting? Yes. It's queer baiting <laughs> if you're baiting straight people. Well, well you're just baiting a straight man. Oh, mm. wait, no, that's not queer baiting. Right? I wasn't wait, doing it for the no. gays. I was doing it for the straight specifically. Been, I think if they'd been, men had been paying you, uh-huh. That could have been queer. And they filmed is, it? And they no. filmed it, and then they sold it. I think this is where it gets no, complicated. No, but we're not selling it to the gays. <laughs> well, right, so then, no. Okay, thank That's you. What That's I what I thought. I've always Wait. said justice for me in seventh grade. Yes. When I knew that sitting Who's on a girl's... Who's telling you this? I'm just, I'm on sitting Twitter, and I'm worried about it. No. Sitting on a girl's what? Laps. <laughs> oh. It's like, it's seventh grade. Jesus. Well, I... No, this is where we're like, it gets complicated, because now there are people who are an individual that are yeah. now... But it's like, it, it's like okay... Harry Styles, for example, I'm not even talking about him queer baiting, but, uh, you know, we don't have to open up that can of worms because we got to talk about celebrity memoirs. Yes. But he is a person, yes, 
But he's also a brand. A brand. Yeah. And he makes a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't want to objectify you and say you're not a person, but you make so much money off of a, the queer community. So it starts to change where it's like, yeah, I don't think like, a girl I went to middle school with can be queer baiting. Well, justice for me. I'm so excited to, okay, yeah. cross that off. You're the victim here. Yeah. <laughs> I've <laughs> always <God>. said. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> um, but sorry, I did not mean to interrupt. Yeah. So you can't read, you said. Oh, oh yeah. I, was, oh, I think no. I interrupted okay. you because mm-hmm. I wanted just vindication for me. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so we started Celebrity Memoir Book Club because we had done, hold on one second, we're talking about Britney Spears, and we had fun doing it. No one really listened to it, but... <laughs> We, we love- knew that that was better than talking about ourselves and fighting every week. Cause, uh, we love talking about celebrities. We love celebrity gossip. We love celebrity culture. I think there's a lot to be analyzed in like celebrity gossip culture but the that thing reflects that- upon the world today. Yes. But the thing that really affected us about the Britney Spears and why we stopped, because of course everybody's like, why would you stop now? Now is when everyone's interested in Britney again. This is like when you get all the listens. And we you said, like, we don't know who Britney Spears is. Yeah. Said, oh, yeah, who are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't even find her on Google. <laughs> Um, was that who I kissed for the dollar? Yeah. I can't. Yeah. It's not ringing a bell, but we really were like, seeing what she had gone through, we were like, how do you talk about celebrities in a way that's ethical? And we talk about like the ethical consumption of pop culture. Yeah. Only fans was on the rise at the time. And we were just like, yeah, how do we... How do we like judge people in a way that feels above board? Because I do think a lot of these people have a lot of power, make a lot of choices, and can be problematic. And I'm not saying every woman and celebrity is above judgment just because we're kind of hard on people. But mm-hmm. I also am like, a lot. But let's we put it into be, context. Let's yeah. Do, let's go beyond the headlines. Let's stop digging through people's trash. Yeah. Let's. He- a lot of times, if you give people rope, they'll hang themselves. I uh, yeah. I think that's a great. Um, I've noticed the people with uh, what's that? Uh, true crime. They're they're having. I feel like if they took your route, like read the books written by the families. Yes. Yes. That would be a way to make it ethical uh-huh. and like get around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. Just like they're like oh because right now it's yeah. so like. I feel like there's so much in like true crime and entertainment yeah. gossip culture that is like so hungry to watch like people have problems. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, they're so hungry to like feed on other people's tragedy and it is so sad. But then if these people are profiting off of their own story, like if these people are talking about their own stories, like celebrities need to be in the public eye like that is the whole thing and there's or there are some that choose not to be like I always say I'm like what's Natalie Portman doing I literally don't know and I don't care but she's still in movies whereas if like Stassi Schroeder is releasing a third book like you're allowed to talk about the things she's writing about herself and discuss them like it's not intrusive to read the things that she is writing about herself I mean we just did Jada Pinkett Smith and I think she's such a good example of a lot of the feedback we've gotten from that episode is I didn't think I'd go in kind of like feeling empathy for her but when you hear the context of her story she's a lot more likable that being said she did have a line in that book where she was like on our first date Will took me on a private jet and then parentheses she goes and this was back in the day when having not everybody had a private jet for weekend getaways so it was very yeah. impressive and you're like okay well Jada you- Jada 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 <laughs> uh, to me it is still impressive yeah. <laughs> that is something wow. nobody made you say and you still said you it you stuck to it and you felt it was important that nobody think you were wrongly impressed by a private jet there's yeah. like another part and of that the book is judgmental where yeah. she talks about she's like I came home and Jaden was painting with charcoals or like drawing with charcoals Perfect. in the multi-purpose room it's like just a big room we have we call it the ballroom but it's not a ballroom it's just like a big room for events it's like not that fancy and I was like a big room for events you just like host charity events you have a, a room in your house that's like large enough to 
host large-scale events. Yeah. To many, that would be fancy. <laughs> and no one made you write, it's not that fancy. You yeah. wrote that. <laughs> we were just talking about this, how we feel like we are digging through the trash a little bit, but, like, not for us, like, what our conversation. But <laughs> our we were, trash. We were, like, um, talking about how, like, some... Uh, celebrities don't like they get like too out of touch yeah like um I, well I, I was saying it's like what do you expect it's like how could you not be out of touch like I think even like uh, you know Ellen DeGeneres for example oh my god <laughs> canceled you know yeah. but it, it it's like people were like she's so generous and kind and like just such a good person and I'm like you cannot be that rich for that long and uh-huh. that famous for that long and be nice. You just like you, I won't, I'm hoping that I won't be at 80. I'm hoping yeah. I'm a fucking out of touch bitch. I hope at I 80. write a book someday about how, like, you know, how annoying it is when your driver is late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the Prince Harry of it all. He's like, yeah. you don't even understand. I couldn't even be poor if I wanted to be because I get so much state funding. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And you're like, no, that's so hard. And I get that. I mean, half of his book was about how much he loved being in the Afghanistan war and how he was so pissed because he wasn't allowed to be on the ground killing people. And also it's not even like hand to hand combat. Like he was like mad he couldn't fly the planes that like released the bombs on Afghanistan villages because it put the other British soldiers at risk because he was such a like if they found out where he was, they would target them specifically. And he's like, so then they said all I could do was like push papers around in an office, and that's not really war. I want to be in there killing people. And so that sucked for me because I the happy like half of his book is about how much he loves murder <laughs> and how mad he is that because he's too famous to get in there and murder <laughs> like it. a regular yeah. old high school dropout wow and you really are and he's like i love this country so much i want to be out there like in the danger zone and you're like well what if you you know what i mean i think probably the back end is equally important but to him it's not exciting and he's wow. like pissed that he doesn't have the right yeah. to like yeah. fly warplanes and you're like i don't know man sorry right it, it's that is so yeah because you have no but how could he even we were like talking about taylor swift it's like yeah you're okay you're already, you know, you're rich kind of growing up. You've got some money. Then you're immediately put into, like, millionaire stardom, fame. Mm-hmm. Every room you walk into, every person, like, accommodates for you. Yes. Never would speak up for, if you're rude, no one's going to say anything. How are you able to learn? <laughs> I'm being a real apologist. But well, this is how my... are you able to learn what's rude? I learned what's rude from someone going, oh, you shouldn't say that to someone. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. Well, no one says that to Or you, through consequences, but I think, like, I knew like this very rich girl. I always use her as an example because it was the first time I saw it up close. And actually there was a comedian where all of her friends were on her payroll or like needed something of her. Yeah. And when you're in a position where you need something for someone or your money is dependent on, I mean the Selena Gomez assistant friend, anytime somebody like when there is a group of people and you have to stay friends with one to stay in the group, that person has more power. Yeah. Like, Because it's a lot of times it's not just walking away from your friend, it's walking away from your job, it's walking away from your community, it's walking away from your health. Like, it's like from the vacations, from the everything. Yeah. Like, and like also, nobody's coming with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I knew a girl who was very rich and everyone lived in the apartment she bought and she fucked all of their boyfriends and even one of their girlfriends. And it was the one time she ever seemed to be gay. Like, <laughs> like it was like she only fucked one girl and it was this girl's ex. But, uh, if you were to ever get upset with her about that, it meant that, well, then you have to move out of her apartment, mm-hmm. but no one else is moving out. And so now you've lost your group. Like, yeah, you've lost where you live. Now you've lost all your friends. And you just either had to suck it up or start anew. And like that's why she never learned to not fuck other people's exes. Right, because there's no consequences. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's I always talk about, okay, so people always write in about like celebrities who like supposedly smell bad. Oh, and apparently no. there's a lot. There's apparently a lot of celebrities who sure. smell bad. Harry. And I was, you know, Styles. famously is so stinky. Yeah. I love that. 
I know. Because no one's going to say. And that's I, say, I, feel, I don't think you would love it if you saw it. I've heard no, people. No, I don't love it. Like, I just, I love knowing that. I don't love that. Like, I want to sniff that. I mean, yeah. I love that. Like, I want to tell people that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> like, I love that. Like, that's you, that's good information that I yeah. love. That I'll use somewhere. <laughs> and I think it's, like, twofold. I think it's one. Like, who the fuck would ever tell Harry Styles no. you smell bad? Like, who in his life is being like, hey, maybe try a, a prescription deodorant you know yeah. what I mean like no one is saying that yeah. to him and then the second thing is that I think that this is probably broader for like a lot of celebrities think about like you know when you get professional hair and makeup done and you're like oh my god I look so fucking good I'm like yeah. not gonna wash this off for like a little bit yeah. you know what yeah. I, and you're like wake up and you have like kind of good next day makeup like I, you don't wash your face the next yeah I kind of feel like they shower way less because they're like well I'm getting hair and makeup done so like I don't need to shower at home I'm getting mm. groomed but you're like yeah. but you're not getting hygiene you're just getting groomed yeah you know yeah yeah I definitely think that celebrities are like hot people who try comedy yeah like it's like you I mean they're, they're just so beautiful that you're like no one's gonna tell you that this shit sucks yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so you stay people are just like happy yeah. to have you around we're in like a garbage basement full of <laughs> literal like bottom feeding trolls and yeah. so when someone beautiful walks in everyone's like oh my <gasps> god look at you yeah. here with us we love that yeah <laughs> Oh my God. Ashley got roasted so bad yesterday by like a stranger on the street who was so pretty. I was like, that's fine. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, okay. We were watching the marathon and um, she had run a marathon before and I had run a marathon before. And I didn't even, I didn't even want to tell her what my time was because it was slow. I just wanted to finish a marathon. Okay. I'm accomplished and I'm better than a lot yes, of other people. You are. And, and she ran fast, like mm. literally like a Boston marathon qualifying time fast. And she's like, I was pretty proud of myself. And I'm like, yeah, that's like, a notably fast time. Yeah. And then she, and then Claire told her my time and she was like, oh my God, did you fall asleep? And I was like, okay, I mean, oh my God. Listen. That is so mean. I finished it. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of like, it's not the same thing of where like someone is just so like, everything comes like easy or something. I have my thighs like rubbed together and I was hooking up with this girl one time who like, took a pair of my pants and like where my thighs had rubbed together, the pants had rubbed like, Yeah, holes. they rubbed thin. And she, she was like, what is this? What what happened here? Like, and I was like, my what thighs. What happened here is she has no, friction, bitch. She has like a thigh gap. So she genuinely was confused and she's like, oh, that's that's never happened to me. And I'm like, I don't, so that's what it reminded me yeah. of. You're just like, sorry, I, I guess you don't have my problems. <laughs> you know, you're too pretty to deal with that. But yeah. So what is your favorite memoir you've done? Yes. You've talked about. I don't know. It's kind of like if you went to an accountant and you're like, who's your favorite taxes you've seen? You don't think you No, there is some that are one? really if good. If I knew someone was I definitely favorites. like selling drugs, I'd be like, probably them. Because this is an yeah. obvious crime unfolding. <laughs> okay. Well, now yeah. that you've double. Okay. So now I have to answer the question. Can I say I have favorites? I think I think one of the best ones that I recommend to people is actually Molly Shannon. I've heard Sony will be like, it is the best book I've ever because read. I think so it good. hits everything like it has celebrity stuff it has like late in the game fame so mm -hmm. she is actually like well formed I think it has childhood tragedy and it's like funny too yeah so it's like what, what more do you need uh -huh. I for a long time didn't read it because I bought it at the I bought it at Barnes and Nobles Hell yeah. and then I don't know why I said that as if we're sponsored by Barnes and Nobles but I love Barnes and Nobles but <laughs> indie I, bo literally an indie bookshop at this point if you're yeah, on Amazon yeah. I'm like please shop at Barnes and Noble <laughs> we need to support them um no but I got it there but I then people were like it's they were like the first chapter will rip your heart out and so I never read it but then other people were like I would tell people that and they're like oh no the rest of the book that was like really 
fun. Like, it's not, like, yeah. that bad. Like you, No, I mean, it is, like, a pretty tragic first chapter. But, like, the rest of it is, like, pretty good. I am... Um... I think the creepiest episode that you guys, I know that's like a weird thing. No, I love that. I like love when, that we have creepy episodes. Well, like a celebrity is like an anonymous, because I, I kind of like to psychoanalyze people. Selma Blair. <gasps> yeah, that was a creepy episode. I need to know what's going on. Creepy is a really good word for her. She, I yeah. just saw her. Oh, I think she was in one of those weird Kathy Griffin TikToks. Have you seen it going around where Sia is like where singing? Where she's singing at the dinner party. And they have like the weirdest group of D-list actors of all. Like you're just like, and then Kathy Griffin will take the photo with everybody at the dinner party and they, she kind of places them in order of importance to society. Oh so God. it's like the unknowables on the outside, but then like the modern family guys on the yes. inside. And it's very much like, yeah. it's very much there in order of fame. And I think Selma Blair was there. Wow. And on I was edge. just like, Selma, she's, Every, I've been like seeing a lot of her. She's one of those people who's like a celebrity celebrity. Yeah. Yes. I like, there's like, to me, there's influencers, influencer, and then there's the celebrity celebrity. You know, one of the biggest celebrities celebrity to me is um, Am Amber Tamblyn, a celebrity that only other celebrities can see. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think Selma Blair is one of those where I'm like, I think America has forgotten about her, but for some reason, yeah. like Anna Wintour has not. Can I tell you what I hypothesize? Okay. So I know this person who I, I know from like, childhood but like she's a parent mm -hmm. and like she will always like to say these like kind of guilt trippy things yeah. that like oh that's so wonderful that everyone was hanging out I I love that people <laughs> are still spending time together and you know even mm -hmm. though I'm not a main part of the group I would love to be in the in the group sometimes too you know what I mean like just that yeah. type of thing and I bet you Selma Blair is like that like I bet you she sees a dinner party happening and is, and like is like very complimentary yeah. and like is very like well, I have I to be invited there. now because if I'm not invited, I'll, like, make you feel really fucking weird about it. I and I'm famous enough that I can, like, kind of guilt trip you okay. in an uncomfortable yeah. way. Can I say I wonder, and this is not to throw him under the bus, but another great memoir is Andre Leon Talley. Mm. Yeah. Who was an editor at Vogue and best friends with Karl Lagerfeld. And this is not to knock him at all. But I do wonder if Selma Blair has what he had, which is when you – are best friends with like three or four key people. Yeah. yeah. They, you'll be their plus one to everything. So you're not the popular person, yeah. but you're three popular people's best friends. And then also they know that through you, they can get to them by like, yeah. You're I the Frankie Grande effect. Yeah. And yeah, there's also so many people, I think, who are like in like close to great success and fame who like have a lot of value in having an entourage a crew etc and these people are very good at sniffing out like who needs a second yeah like who needs a second in command and they like will follow them around and like become their opener in comedy or become yeah. like their yeah. ass kisser forever and then they can like they can forge somewhat of a career off of it because like they yeah. know who needs to have like a yes man around them and yeah. they like show up early like before and that's this what, person can reasonably back, have an entourage but, like yeah. to get back to what we were talking about early like why celebrities can't ever learn accountability it's yeah. because somebody's already sniffed them out and been like no you were so right yeah, yeah. so good yeah, yeah. dude well, this is why me yeah. and Ashley will literally never be successful we can't even be nice to each other <laughs> I know and we're like on the same team we can't even kiss each other's ass when we someone gives me a compliment I'm always like oh my god that was so weird who is that person <laughs> <laughs> your next episode is just being like it's still it's supposed to be celebrity member but club is usually just talking about someone who complimented you. yeah like yeah oh, what's wrong with them what happened to their childhood yeah. i know i'm always like oh my god that person has really bad taste <laughs> <laughs> i yeah i feel like it is impossible to know also there's like so many people who like i know are like they've like been canceled for something that like is truly cancelable like they've done something bad but you go to a party they're there 
I don't care what Louis they've CK. done. I mean, literally. <laughs> it could be the worst person you've ever thought of. They're at a party. They're surrounded. Yeah. Yes. There's people around them. Like, I'm like, what? Still, everyone's surrounding them. You're like, what do you think they're going to do for you? Like, it's so book you in a movie? Like, they yeah. can't do anything for you. The, it's just people are, like, so attached to these, like, random hierarchies. And they, like, don't know what to do about it. And I will say, I've, I feel like we've both worked on accepting compliments. But, like, there are there was someone that I was talking to recently who, like, really stresses me out. Because I feel like he doesn't compliment from a place of, like, actually enjoying what we do. He compliments from a place of, like trying to attach in that way. Do you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, it's not, like, I like talking about, like, you know what I mean? It's not, oh, that was funny. It's like, oh, yeah, and if you ever, like, need, like, it's it's this, like, weird thing where it's, yeah. like, attempted exchange of favors and compliments, and I'm like, no, no, I don't want to have an exchange. I want to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you find, we were talking about before we, uh, before you guys got here, talking about how, like, it just feels like, there, we were, well, I was talking about Ellie Kemper's memoir. Did you ever read? No, I'd be. Is, you don't have to read of it. Of course it's, not. I never thought that would be like a light one. That'd be like if we had two heavies in a row, we'd be like, and now we do an Ellie Kemper. Yes, because it is, and I th- I found it really interesting because it is a it is not a must read in any capacity. <laughs> I read it years ago, and I still am like years ago. So, when did Ellie Kemper write a memoir? It was like three. Well, I read it. I remember it was pre pandemic. And I wow. read it. I was working delivery for a restaurant. So I read it down like in the basement. So I guess it was like five years ago. And it was the most boring book I've ever read because she had a great life. Like her life yeah, was Yeah, she's great. super rich from St. Louis, right? Yeah. I used to do a literal joke about that, about how I know I've had an easy life because I can't remember any of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, trauma a really is unique. Bad life. Yeah, like, or you've liked it, but I'm like... All happy Christmases kind of end up the same. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like not that interesting. Like I guess she, there's that Russian novelist who says that like all happy yeah. families are happy in the same way. Yes, where she like had a full chapter. Where clearly they were like, you need another chapter. She wrote another, she wrote a full chapter about she went to a restaurant and they didn't give her capers, which the salad was supposed to have. And she like felt so bad sending it back. But then she was like, I need to have capers. This is a full chapter. This is like, oh, this 20 is the Tori spelling of it all. Yeah. yeah. Who's that? Who's Tori Spelling? Oh my God, Tori Spelling is the most memoirist, m- memoir memoirist there's ever been. Oh my God, she's she's like she was on Beverly Hills 90210, the original. Okay. Her dad is Aaron Spelling, the creator of that show, and every other show from that era, <laughs> okay. yeah. like Charmed, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she is she just is a rich girl who then starred on a hit TV show, and then like never really got other acting jobs. Now she's in, like, Hallmark movies, and then she married this guy named Dean, and they met on, like, a Lifetime movie or something like that. And they were both married or with other people, but then they, like, cheated on each other. Whatever. Then they had reality shows, like, a couple of them. Tori and Dean in love, where they renovated an inn. You know, just a bunch of different reality shows. And then now she's written, like, five memoirs. And also she was, she, like, got almost no money from her dad. So her dad was, like, a bazillionaire Uh from creating all of the most popular TV shows of the 90s. Well, her and dad a- died, but her mom hates her. They have like this huge yeah. public oh. Candy spelling. Uh-huh. Yeah. Candy. And that like, can her, never be good if your mom's name is Candy. Her and her mom and then Dean's ex-wife, they all like communicate through memoirs. It's crazy. <laughs> that? Okay. That actually sounds... In, this is that's not like Ellie Kemper's. Yeah. Ellie Kemper's was oh Tori, sounds right up my alley. Tori yeah. has, yeah. Tori. She has like five memoirs and she'll like just write because she needs money because she was raised insanely rich and then her dad left her like I think $800,000 which like no, is if you're raised rich that's probably not too much yeah like it's it's for me 
an insane amount of money for someone who was like raised in I think like the biggest single family home in California. It's not that much. Yeah. And so she went through it in like a year. Man. Yeah. That it that but it was like it, it's like there's no Ellie Kemper didn't even get cut off. I well, first of all, she moves. <laughs> and I remember being so mad because I just auditioned for a UCB um house team. Yeah. God. Uh, and I didn't get on. And I was so upset and I was reading Ellie Kemper's book and it literally is like her childhood is perfect. Everything is great. At least from what she talks about in the book. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But so she has this, she goes, she talks about how she gets on a UCB house team immediately. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, now to me, I would not care, but at the time that really no, cut deep. I have a really I hard time with celebrities who are like, so at 18, who did we just read where it's just like, oh, I, even Jada actually. Yeah. Did, sorry, we just did Jada, but I think she was on some sitcom like within six months of moving out to, they like created a role around She was her. like 19 or 20 by the time she was on. She did one year of college and said, I don't think there's anything for me to learn here. <laughs> and then she moved out to LA and like within three to four months, they she went in for a bit part audition. They said, you're not a bit part, you're a character. And they wrote her like, oh. Yeah. That, I mean, that was like, she immediately got cast on The Office. She was like so, or whatever show, I don't remember if it was The Office, but some show she immediately got cast on. And then, but I was like, what is this biography? This is like reading your Wikipedia page. This whole, yeah. every chapter is just like, and we call it that. But I'd say like the Dave Grohl's men do a lot of, we call it the Wikipedia biography where oh, I really? go, if I had what, like your first person perspective had nothing to do with this book. Yeah. Everything I learned about this, I could have learned from somebody else in the room. Yeah. 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 And there are so many, and, and it is frustrating to read, especially because they'll like say they worked hard because you can't not say that because then you sound like obnoxious. Yeah. But they obviously didn't work hard because what they've achieved, like, you know, I mean, they. I'm not saying they don't work, but like, but that's like what Janice it is. Dickinson, say, right? She like, yeah. she's one that we reference all the time because in her book, she was like, I was like every day going door to door, every modeling agency, like knocking on doors, like putting in the footwork and the groundwork and the whatever. And then finally in six months, I was signed to a major agency. And I was like, six months? But that's Six what months. it is. I think sometimes people say I worked hard, but what they mean is I worked at all. I'm like, yeah, yeah. like because anything where you're like doing outside art art stuff, mm-hmm. I guess, is like extra. Like I guess you didn't have to do it. Yeah. But, like there and I think we were just talking about before how there's a lot of like and I'm sure there's nice ones and mean ones and all of the above, but there's a lot of people who like went viral on the internet at like sixteen, never worked a job, yeah. never like have had a job, so then you see these people who are like, someone made a TikTok the other day that was like, me watching an influencer's day in the life work vlog, and it's just like errands, that like mm-hmm. yeah. everyone else is running. It's like you taking your dog to the vet is not a work thing. I yeah. love when they'll post like a to-do list on Instagram stories, and the to-do list will be like, like you know, go to the gym, meditate. get a wax, <laughs> meditate, like get nails done, and it's just like, 
do laundry and you're like, yeah. this is errands. Yeah. Like, everyone does this. Everyone yeah. else also does this. Like what? And it, so I think, you know, you see that a lot where influencers get very like, oh, okay, I, I, I work hard. And I'm always like, I feel like I work super hard, but nothing compares to when I was like in a restaurant. Oh, yeah. 12 hours a day at 6 a.m. Like, well, that's when we were period. at each other's. I mean, that's why we were at each other's throats because we were both working full time, doing stand up, doing the podcast, doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, nobody like, was making us do we it. We were working full time doing stand up. We were working. We had like full time, like nine to six day jobs, yeah. and then we would do stand up, and then we would podcast we, at my house at like ten p.m. Not yeah. that I mean, yeah. I don't know. We weren't at war or whatever, but it, like it was like nobody it wasn't like the you hardest. were no Harry. Literally, nobody was <laughs> begging Harry. us to do that. In fact, we couldn't get anybody to listen or support. <laughs> yeah, that was the big problem. The minute people were asking us to do it, we were able to quit our job. But it feels like evolutionary. It feels like something you because I always think about when I was doing improv and like I laugh so much now because I, seriously, when I did not get on a UCP Herald team, it like made me wish I was dead. <laughs> and I was like, my life is over. And it's so funny looking back, but it was like something really in me made that feel so important. Or like even oh, like how oh, I used to feel about JFL. I yeah. mean, but right or yeah. like there or are like, people who I have like wished violence towards because they like wouldn't book me on like a bar show. <laughs> yes, and I would be like so stressed. I remember I broke up with a girlfriend I had one time. I cannot. I mean, we yeah. weren't gonna work anyways. But I like broke up with her because I just done a improv show at the bottom of a bar where I was too young to even, I had to have someone with me the whole time. I wasn't allowed to drink water while I was there because I was too young to be there. And there were three people in the audience who were another improv team that was also going to be performing. And I literally broke up with my girlfriend. I was like, I was like, I am too busy. Like, I am grinding right now. Like, I am, like, really doing it. That's and it's how like- I felt about one of my exes. I was like, <laughs> I, I would, like, take a night off from stand-up, and then he would, like, not like he'd be like oh I'm gonna go to the gym after work and I would like freak out because I was like I'm literally not I like didn't sign up for this open mic because I thought we could have time together tonight and I like am like risking my entire career for you the winter before the pandemic I had like a full-on nervous breakdown because there's this thing called JFL which Mm -hmm. is like a comedian draft almost for those of you who don't know just for last yeah Yeah. up in Montreal and they have like faces to watch or new faces people to watch or whatever and getting it was seemed like the only way to be successful and I I had somebody who said they'd be willing to send a tape for me like a bigger comedian was like I'll pass your tape along and so I became obsessed with getting this tape and with every attempt at getting the tape I got more and more insane and neurotic to the point where I remember I like was calling in every favor I had for people that could book me on shows so I could get this five minute tape I called my dad from New Jersey I was like you need to come to this show so that you can like hold my phone Yeah, and I was like I did uh, some an older comedian. His wife let me do her show, and I could tell she was like, "Who is this fucking twenty eight? Like, mm. and I was like, I was up there like trembling. Like, I got <laughs> so in my head, I was trembling. And then I remember I got on the F train after, and I just was hysterically yeah. sobbing. And then two weeks later, everybody like the the Italian hospital system collapsed, and I was just like, "I've been dead for two weeks." <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like, "I don't have anybody left. I burned every bridge. I yeah. couldn't even get the tape. I don't even think I sent anything because I was like, I'm nothing." And I look back and I, I go, burned every bridge. Like, what was <laughs> I? And then you look at that shit and you go, what does it even get you? The joke of it is, once you yeah. once you have any sort of stability, I think, in comedy, you're able to look at Jeff, JFL and you go, oh, the only people who get JFL are people who already had shit going on. Yeah. Like, JFL does not beget the stuff. JFL is, like, the cherry that the stuff begot. But that's, like, everything now. I mean, I yeah. could rant for hours. It feels like so, like, I will meet with, like, I mean, even like last year, I'll meet with an agent who's like, uh, not a big agent. And they're like, okay, well, I need you to have like done a lot of professional work 
need you to have Instagram followers like a, over a million if possible. I'm like, who do I you? love it when That's they say that. They every go, could time. you try to get like 100,000 Instagram followers? And you're like, oh, yeah, sorry. The thing I've, oh, I was trying not to. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're like, what I did, are you supposed I to I did do? want that. It just, they just haven't come yet like every time we have any meeting with anyone like we'll finally have a meeting and they'll be like oh and if you could like make all of this stuff more I'm like oh yeah I definitely thought that like the reason you called us for this meeting is because the amount of stuff we had was like enough finally but it should you're right it should be more and it is like everybody who's ever been above me that's like been been like, oh, you don't even want an agent. They don't even do anything for you. And I'm like, easy for you to say you have one. And now, yeah. and but it's give like, me yours. And then you get one, and you're like, oh, this is actually not helpful at all. Yeah, Seriously. I mean, truly, it just feels like now everywhere wants you to like, yeah. like it used to be like, I, oh, I pitched a like yeah. girls, I pitched mm-hmm. a thing, whatever. Now and they like, made it. Okay, can yeah. you? Okay, can you make it? Make mm-hmm. the first season. Maybe we'll watch it. I'm like, what? Do you need everything like fully handed to yeah. you now? I will say, yeah. I do try to like look at it from the opposite perspective of I was in the system of pe- waiting to get like the gatekeep system of yeah. I was hoping one booker at one club thought I'd be funny enough for late night who thought I'd be funny enough to have a TV show. And when you look at those people, who was it? It was Jerry Seinfeld. It was yeah. Ray Ramon. It was just like white dudes. And I do think the democratization of comedy, like TikTok. Yeah. I mean, you, I've been following you on Twitter for years. I do think <laughs> the idea that you can like get online now yes. and just like make it on your own it's I I'm on both sides right like sometimes I look at these people who blow up and I go you'll never be able to do a live show it's so different when you're not in your bedroom but at the same time I'm like there is something about very um not enlightening what's empowering about being able to say like me, nobody wanted us. Yeah. yeah. Until maybe they four weeks ago. They told us. They said, stop. <laughs> <laughs> we, begged and we begged, we pleaded, and then we got on TikTok, and everything we have is from promoting ourselves on TikTok. And I do think it has to go, like, I always look at someone like Rachel Sennett, who I've watched mm. since the open mic days. Oh, yeah. She was hustling on Twitter at the same time as she was writing the sketches yeah. at the same time as she was, like, it is helpful in addition to finally be able to say, I don't care if you think I'm not funny. I will just start in my bedroom. No nepotism. Like, we were talking in the last episode, mm-hmm. we had guests, and we were talking about how it's like the now everything is so nepotism. It's just like everybody you see in a movie is yeah. like a celebrity's son or daughter or whatever. And it's like the internet, it's like you don't have to live in LA or New York. You don't have to be rich. You don't mm-hmm. have to be anything. You just, if you're funny, then you'll be, you mm-hmm, can do it. Totally. You know? And it's so easy, I feel like, to get caught up in like who is like skyrocketing skyrocketing to the top and beating you because they did one thing. And then it seems like the industry was like, oh yeah, we'll pick you. But then you look at the longevity of it. Like I feel like cause yeah. it sounds like you guys have been like, you know, working on shit and, like, making shit for a bit, like, from the pre-pandemic days of, like, auditioning for UCB Herald wow. teams, like, you see how many people, like, randomly, like, leapfrog you, and then you leapfrog them. You're like, oh, wow. it's always, it's just, like, a long game of, like, what can I make that I like and I'm, like, excited about and happy with? Yeah. Because there's so many people that I've, like, I remember seeing them get, like, a huge chance where I was like, that should have been me. And then now I'm like, oh, because they leapfrogged and didn't like get the reps in to like know what they wanted and what they were doing Mm -hmm. they like completely flail so you know it's just like always there's always a like there are so many people there are very few people where i'm like oh i could never beat them you know yeah Yeah, totally because it's a long game and i don't plan to stop for a bit yeah (laughs) exactly what was like a memoir you were like sorry i was gonna ask no go ahead i wanted to ask the question just like what what celebrity after reading all these memoirs is the most unwell some of them was a good guess I feel like who would you say 
Let me. Can well, I like, look at my phone real unwell, quick to like look maybe, through, yeah. wait, through the names? Yeah. Unwell. Unwell, and they've realized that maybe they got sober, or then unwell, and they just do not realize there's something wrong. In that I mean, way. like, I feel like Yolanda Hadid is a really good example of oh, someone who's just like yeah. bananas she unwell is because really she scary. is literally unwell mm-hmm. in that she has given herself medical problems and then she Mm. is like unwell in the way that she is like an advocate for demanding people recognize a disease that she invented. You know what I mean? Do you think she has Munchausen's? Yes. Yes. (gasps) Oh, shit. That happens to celebrities? I I think so. Well, we think we've hypothesized about her a lot. Here's my psychological breakdown of her. I think it is hard to be somebody who is like loved for your beauty and then become an adult woman. And if you like yeah. look at her, so what Muhammad Hadid did to her was pretty fucked up. He was like cheating on her nonstop and mm-hmm. she lived like a very monk-like life after that. She was like very celibate, did not date. And then when the kids got older, she got she started dating David Foster and a lot of her identity was wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. And you can see the minute they got married, she start, started getting sick. And she takes a lot of pride in being yeah. like somebody who never needs help or has to ask for anything. And then suddenly she gets sick and like needs to ask for help. Yeah. And a lot of the things she was doing to herself will make you ill. Like she would yeah. put herself on a 60-day antibiotic IV drip. And that is something that like a doc, like because I, I had a lot of doctors that I was like calling for, and they were like, that's something that we would do. It's a lot like chemo where it's yeah. like, yeah, it could make you better if you have something that's wrong with you, but it could, it will also kill, like get you sick because yeah. we're killing all the bacteria in your body and your body needs some of those. And then she's constantly going on these cleanses and she's constantly doing these things and she's like, the, that whole worm in her poop stuff is completely made up. There's only one doctor in the world who thinks it's actually worms and it's this guy who's been like thrown out of Russia and every other doctor in the world is like, what you're doing is you, it's like the insides of your intestines. Like, have you ever used too much Listerine and then like the inside of your mouth kind of comes off? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's that. It's like the shedding intestine. of a membrane. It's not a worm. Yeah. But because she keeps being like, oh, look, I have a worm in my stool. And so now I have to do more cleanses. She's never getting nutrients. Right. Yeah. And so Ooh. she's like keeping herself quite, like, it's not good to constantly be fucking with your body and taking a, yeah, she's doing like, a lot of things. Your that body are up. does have systems that are supposed to keep itself good like yeah. some people yes. are off balance and that isn't something that needs to usually be fixed by like intervention and in medicine but like for the most part when it comes to like detoxing and cleanses and this and that like that's what kid needs to well so, like, i get so annoyed on the internet where it'll be like every day i feel like there's a new video it's like i reasons why i started drinking a gallon of chicken broth every yeah. morning oh, and i'm we- like love those women when they like come through uh, when they're like listen I've been eating nothing but grapes grapes and and chlorophyll every morning (laughs) for six months and I've never felt better and then like a year later they'll be like I was actually deeply unwell and that's why I'm on an all protein diet Mm -hmm. I actually that entire time I didn't poop once and I didn't have a dream and I was also waking up in the middle of the night with bloody sweat and they're like but I feel better than I've ever felt and this is actually the diet if you only eat protein and that's it and then you sleep for two hours at a time every four hours that's actually how you find wellness and I've never felt better one year later they come on they go so actually last year was the worst I've ever felt But this is like to the dog foods. Have you seen the raw diet? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Every vet is like, because, so I start, I have a tiny chihuahua mm-hmm. who need, does dying. not need, is no, well, she's old. She's yeah. an elderly chihuahua. But she, I, I see these videos that are like, what I feed my all raw dog, I feed them one chicken heart. I feed them a duck head. And the I vets are cat. like, what the stop. fuck? Yeah, they're like, stop doing that. It's like, this is not good for you. Not good for the dog. Because I was like, oh, should I give my dog blueberries? And my vet was like, well, you could give your dog one blueberry. Like, your dog is so small. Like, the, and yeah. the amount that would be in one blueberry, it's yeah. just like, there's no. And it's like, dog food. My dog loves blueberries. 
she That's very like cute. she loves I'll like get a little thing of blueberries and we like sit on the couch and we split it. <laughs> Is she small? No. Well, yes. She's well, I see. I she's small, but like she's still like a large dog mix that like yeah. is small she's like only 35 pounds but like a pit bull boxer or whatever oh, very cute. she's very cute yeah but they're like they you don't need and obviously there's bad dog food but th- yeah my vet was like dog food is made like these are domesticated animals like your chihuahua is not mm-hmm. a wolf like yeah. yeah you don't need this is what the dog food is made to do like you can add some like fish oil or whatever but people I think it's the same with health where everyone's like trying to outsmart like they've cracked the code it's, yeah. it's, like, it's like QAnon for your body yeah. yeah. yes you're like you should hear when you hear footsteps it's like it's a horse it's not a zebra and mm-hmm. they're like my body is a zebra yeah. yeah you know they're like doing IV drips like every morning and you're like you I don't know your electrolytes are shot your pH after 60 days of your antibiotics your pussy is making yeast yeah. like it's like yeah. yeah yeah like I give my dog packaged just like the dog food from the dog store yeah. and and then like yeah sometimes I'll like give her snacks and like fruits and yeah. whatever like little powders and shit that like you can do but like her vet is like yeah if you want to add that you can but like yeah. what you're feeding her is like a complete nutrition yeah. meal and like with the gut health with like the, all these things people will be like oh yeah your body like you need this in order to balance your hormones and it's like no no your body is balancing its hormones yeah. Yeah. like the point of the, all the glands, like yeah. all the things, and if your body isn't balancing its hormones, like a thing you learned on the internet isn't going to balance it. You need to like go to a person whose yeah. job that is, yeah. and then yeah, and so then Yolanda Hadid. We also we hypothesized that like she like stopped getting as much attention and like needed something to like yeah. lure people back in, and that was illness. Like she liked having people like come check on her. She liked having people, you know what I and yeah. it, like. By the end of that book, she had been diagnosed with chronic Lyme. Her daughter had been diagnosed with chronic Lyme. Her son had been diagnosed with chronic Lyme. Her mother had been diagnosed with chronic Lyme. And her friend who had just gone through a divorce who had been very lethargic also turned out she had chronic Lyme. And it's not like the flu. You can't, like, catch it. It's like a... No. Yeah. It's chronic. Wow. It's chronic. That's crazy. And then who's the... Who's who's someone you read their book and you're, like, you're almost shocked that they, like, turned their life around? Shania Twain. Really? Oh, yeah. Her she, I mean, life. her book sucked because I do believe she wrote it herself and it feels incoherent. Uh-huh. But she <laughs> had one of the craziest lives in the world. Her yeah. childhood was, like, so, like, I mean, just, like, very, like, lo- poverty. Yeah. Poverty like, to I the think nines. She, her, she, her and her older sister had a biological father that apparently the mother had to leave from because he was, like, assaulting the older sister who was, yeah. like, three. And then she remarried a man who was, um, like, indigenous Canadian. Uh-huh. And so they lived, like... On like I want to say like a reserve situation, but he became an alcoholic and like was very abusive, and then he ultimately like assaulted Shania, and then she had three little brothers, and her parents like died in a freak car accident, and so at twenty two <gasps> she had to adopt the three younger brothers and take care and Shania. raise all of them, and they were living in like a cabin with no electricity or running like water, like a dirt floor out in the middle of the Canadian wilderness, so that she could do this review. In, um, so that she could perform. She was like performing in a review at like a, a resort. Co- yeah. Like a ski oh resort God. and raising these four boys. And then like somewhere there, somebody was like, oh, you're a star. And they took her down to Nashville. And that's where that guy, Rhett, or what's his awful name? Musk. <laughs> Mutt. Mutt. Mutt Lang. No, so she did an album with another group. And then she met Mutt Lang, who had made, I think, Back in Black by ACDC. Yeah. He was like a big producer. Mm. And that is who 
made they got come married on over. after six months and he became her full-time producer yeah and that's like when she made all of her bangers yeah and like i mean shania twain man i feel like a woman incredible i know song yeah. um even then, nobody gives credit to any man of mine which is like one of my favorite. really good it's so good and then he moved her to like sweden and they she had no friends and like she was pretty isolated and then he like killed her horse it was like a whole thing and then he cheated on her with her best friend and then married her best friend and then, and then she, she married, married, married the best friend's husband Oh they like God. switched. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm reading this. This sounds incredible. Or listen to the episode. We, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that'll probably be what I'll do. Okay. Then after, uh, then I have a follow up. Who is, without a doubt, the worst person? And not like a, they're a um, man. It's definitely a man. Well, like, um, but not like just like, a, you know, when a, someone's kind of annoying, like objectively no, the yeah. worst. Okay. okay yeah. So, I mean, I would all s- of the men ab- admit to rape in their books in a way that's like, in a way that is like a joke. They'll be like, oh my God. And then I, like, Anthony Kiedis, like, yeah. listen, like, but like, he will be like, oh, I was, you know, like hooking up with this girl. And then it turns out there was like a missing person. Like, she came with us to the next city. And then her dad filed a missing persons report because he was the chief of police in the town that I took her from. Whoa. And I didn't know she was 13. And I'm like, <gasps> also, he dated, um, who's that other one? Ioni Sky. Ioni Sky when she, she was, was like- 16. And he was like, 30 or something and this you know the kid that went on tour with him he's like oh and then I found out her dad had filed a missing persons report because she was like a missing minor and so then I like cooked up with her one more time and sent her back to her dad and it's like ew bro and they like love I mean Tommy Lee all those old rock and roll guys are like the funniest thing about going on tour is when you piss on all the women in the front row oh Steve O loves to like talk about it. he's like yeah it was so disgusting that these women would just like let me piss on their tits and you're like Oh, okay. That is insane. Yeah. I got in so much trouble on TikTok. It was like my first time I got a lot of negative blowback on TikTok. Because we said Steve-O sucks. And everyone well, was I like, told this story about Steve-O where his, his mom was like dying of cancer. And she okay, was, so his mom um, oh, had it? like a aneurysm, I think. Something mm-hmm. happened. She was dying of something else, but she was at that point no longer capable of taking care of herself. I think she had a massive stroke and was no longer like physically independent. So his sister like, quit her job and, like, moved back to Florida to be the mom's full-time caretaker, even though Steve-O at that point had no job. Like, he was, when he went to circus school. Yeah. Like, he, okay, and he was like, that's I'm, a job. And, and his whole thing was, like, doing backflips on the internet to try and get in, like, skateboarding magazines. Uh-huh. And so, and he was like, I'm too busy to take care of mom. I'm doing backflips. So he, I guess he was doing jackass, but it was at the time when he was only making like $200 to do it. It He was was not a full-time cast member. He was like a guy that they brought and paid like a couple hundred dollars per episode to do random. So doing backflips on the internet, he was making his way up. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so they did something where they brought in an elephant who shit all over the backyard. No, okay. (laughs) I, I'm not okay. You go. They you have filled, told the story. You have interrupted me like eight times, but you tell the story. I know because you're telling step, it wrong. Okay, I'm just gonna step away and you tell the whole story. <laughs> so, this is just you're describing the what is it called? Best friends, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like this so is an they elephant. Were, okay, so he was trying to get on Jackass full time, so he was like bending over backwards to be like, I'm helpful. So they were filming in Florida, and he's like, My mom lives in Florida. We have a house there, so we can film in the backyard at my mom's house. And they filled a kiddie pool full of elephant shit okay yeah i was so wrong <laughs> okay because it's a little bit different they didn't just have an elephant shit all over the yard they specifically filled a controlled area they were full controlled of shit and they planned it yeah. and it was really high but production. the important part was that nobody cleaned it up he just ditched it his and mo- production specifically said do you want us to clean that up and he said no it's fine <gasps> 
So they left. The sister was living in that house taking care of the mother. And then the next day, there was like some horrible torrential downpour. So elephant shit got all over the entire neighborhood and everybody like screamed at them. And they like got in a ton of trouble. And we were like, what a bad son. And everybody was like, how dare you say that? You're a cunt. Die. Yeah. Wow. They were like, how dare you blame him? He's sober now and he's reformed. Oh my God. It is so funny the things people will get. I don't mean to sound like I'm like anti-cancel. I'm not like the woke people. I like yeah. I'm like, yeah, some people should be canceled. But the, it is so funny some of the things I'll see like a young internet person get like canceled for where they're clearly like, I'm sorry. But it's something just so funny. And then you hear these things where you're like, It'll be like a 40-year-old who's like still famous and they're like married to their anytime, 10-year-old daughter. <laughs> anytime we put up anytime we put up a story about a man being bad, people scream at us. Yeah. It like I feel like that's what really fucks me up about like what we do. and like when people will be like, "Oh, why won't you cover this guy? He's an asshole." Like that'd be a fun book. And I'm like, "I actually sometimes can't handle it because if we make TikTok videos about it and we like criticize a man in any way, there is so much justification for it. Whereas if we like cover a woman and are like, "Oh, she was annoying here." They'll be like, "Yes." She yeah. does suck. She's a dumb bitch. Yeah. We hate her. And I would I would say it's for the canceling thing, I've noticed that like, I mean, it's a lot easier to like cancel women, but I would say canceling does work for people who are mid tier below. Yeah. Cause like canceling, they what they go after, they go after people who care. Like people have given up on canceling Trisha Paytas because she they they realize that she doesn't care. And when someone like if you have done something that's cancelable, like obviously you should be, you know, someone corrects you. But um there's also like some people just want to antagonize someone, you know, yes. like they're on the bandwagon. And so the, you want a reaction out of someone. So the only people you get a reaction out of are people who care. And you can't really go after like. It's the Trump effect. Yeah. yeah. If you don't care, they like you just. Well, and that's, yeah. Can I say that's the other thing is we'll make these videos being like, OK, here is a literal story from Steve-O's memoir that he, he tells <laughs> and he is proud of. Like he thinks yeah. this is funny. And then everyone will like flood our comments being like, how dare you fucking try to cancel Steve O? Like, don't try to cancel him. And I'm like, who's trying to cancel him? Like, I'm not saying you can never support him again. I'm saying this is who you support, FYI. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so scary. I mean, that's like, I always think about Woody Allen because it's so insane to me. I'm like, oh it literally is crazy. And yeah. there are still people like, when that, after all of that comes out and is being talked about, People like who are just like normal, not celebrities that dislike. Like I like Emma Stone, but she's being like, it is an honor to be in another Woody Allen film. I'm like, this is nuts. Like yeah. this is actually crazy. Yeah. I don't know. So it just feel like that. It's like if you're at a certain point, it's just like even if you could think up the worst thing you could think of. I mean, up, Harvey Weinstein. Still, I, I guess. mean, right, yeah. right. Yeah. It's like still just. I like, knew. Oh. Like the thing about the Harvey Weinstein thing is, I remember in college, this article came out in the New York Post, and everybody was so mad. At, so I went to college, 2010 to 2014. So this would have been 2014. Um, and I remember there's this article on the front page of the New York Post about this Italian girl. She was like an 18 year old model, model who had like been blackmailed or something by Harvey, where he was like, "I'll only give you a role if you have sex with me." And she went to the police, and the police said, "Okay, in order to take him down, you need to like wear a wire and go back in and get this on tape." And then she did. And then the New York Post article that she was on the front page of was about like what a dumb whore she was, just trying to get him in trouble. And if she and like what a manipulative little liar she is like what kind of slut wears a wire clearly she was in there trying to blackmail him and take advantage of him and like how sneaky of her even though she was doing exactly what the police had told her to do and I just remember being like okay okay but he did it he did and but the You're like whole, who cares if the bent of the article was isn't she such like a conniving little slut that she wore a wire on purpose to get him in trouble yeah and I just remember being like the police told her to and he did it yeah he did the thing 
that she said he was going to do. This is where, like, a, a lot of Nepo babies, they get a bad rep when people call them Nepo babies, and they're like, no, if they want to use their power for good, like, I need, like, sol- like people who are so hard, like, established in Hollywood to, like, speak out about people. Because well, that's yeah. like what, um, they can't get their careers, like, taken from them. Like, what's that girl who's- for who called out Ellen? Yes, like yes. Dakota Johnson. She, she knows she's like un. But did she's she like, what call are you out do? Ellen? Well, she no. was like she, she also. Said, she said I invited you to my birthday party. I mean, <laughs> the fact bitch. that we're giving her like that much credit. The fact that like Dakota Johnson is like our perfect little queen, and she's like, yeah. all she did was invite yeah. Ellen to her party, and that was the big like because who's the one breaker? Who's the one recently that she worked with, and she was like, he's never been mean to me. Oh, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, or right. like a she defended Shia LaBeouf recently. I feel like crazy. The, I feel like Billy Lord could like really wield some yes. power. She, I think, is good. I don't. Seems- I don't want to say anyone's good, but I feel like she seems good. No, yeah, she seems like she's, I don't know. If she was not famous, she'd be weird. You know what I mean? So I know that she has that, like, she can call them out. Like, I I don't know. We need, like, a Rockefeller. Like, we need, like, King Princess um, or something to do it. What about Andy Cohen? Like, why isn't he doing more? He's a Nepo baby, right? Because he's fucking the problem. Yeah. But what's the girl? I cannot believe I'm forgetting her name from Jurassic Park. Laura Dern. Laura Dern is kind of like a nepotism baby who kind of was like, well, I'll play Ellen's. Sorry, I keep talking about Ellen so much on this podcast. No, you're good. We're good. She keeps coming up. But she like played her girlfriend or her crush on Ellen. Yeah. Because I think she was like, and I think she didn't work for a long time after that. Maybe this is not accurate. But it was like she didn't work for a while, but she was kind of like already like, well, I can Mm -hmm. take the, you know. Yeah. I guess Angelina Jolie speaks out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. She uses her power. I would love to hear Tori Spelling if she got like right. Tori she Spelling has no money. Is, she's, I know, needs money. I know. It's a- Tori Spelling is living in a motel right now. <laughs> Did you know that with but, bed bugs? But it's like, oh no, she has like ten children in a motel. Yeah, she's and a like they had like a carbon monoxide leak. <laughs> they also had what like not lice, but was yeah. they had bed bugs? Yeah, I just said that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, sir. I want to know what your what's a do you have a favorite memoir? Uh, I was gonna say the Selma Blair one was the most shocking because I feel like most people are pretty cut and dry, like narcissists, mm-hmm. sociopaths. Steve-O's heart rate never goes above fifty. That's why he can do all the crazy shit. Uh, Selma Blair, I I couldn't figure out because I was like, um, she's like an alcoholic, and I relate to that because I am ten months sober. But like, um, I want to get her body dissected because what you <laughs> I like, you're read. Just say, I want to get her body. I was like, okay, not, not, not for um <laughs> for the alcoholism specifically because yeah. like I just what you guys described like her being drunk like during filming Legally Blonde and like I would have never picked up on that. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I don't know. And she just she just seems incredibly disturbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. She had like a weird family, and then like she's a weird. Like, she's one of those people who, like, overcorrects in a way where I'm like, oh, well, that's not normal. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, she was talking about her, like, issues with food because of her mom. And then oh she my God, remember that I one part that? at the end when she's like, and now my son has a beautiful relationship with food. Together in the backyard, we, like, pick arugula and enjoy every bite. Her and I'm son like, is going to oh, kill people. My God. Like, you cannot be like, we have no problems with food because together we share a plate of raw lettuce. Like, that is right. not... No, seriously. Um, so she, I feel like, has that thing that you guys read about in Jada's book where, like, you know when you're talking to someone who's, like, has a basic understanding of something and you, like, have to end up agreeing with them, but, like, you know we didn't get to the point? Yeah. Like, I feel like some of Blair's, like, I feel like most celebrities come to this, like, like Jada Pickett-Smith sort of, like, realization where it's, like, how Tupac treated women yeah. like whores and she was like you know what maybe he we, he and I understand each other it's like 
no, you guys actually don't understand each yeah, other. Yeah, it's like yeah. this weird point of privilege yeah. where we can agree to disagree. Yeah. yeah. And someone, actually something interesting, not to get back on Jada, we just did them recently though, but mm-hmm. um, somebody I know who knows them pretty well is like the thing with them is they are so rich that they're obsessed with trying to find this like homeostasis of emotions. Yeah. So oh. they're putting all their money, they think that if you like work hard enough, you can get to this place where you're just like in a lukewarm bath of feelings all the time that you can uh-huh. like, like you're never calm. happy nor sad. But like you can just feel calm forever, and that's what they're like. That's what they're trying to get for to. That. Yeah. But like that's they're, what they're looking for. They're trying to like um, I don't know. They're trying to monk wow. themselves into it, and that's like what's so unrelatable is like they. But it's like it's too high up on Maslow's hierarchy. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean that's like, and I don't mean to. Start, not everyone is a sociopath, but like literally, that's a like they sociopaths don't like don't get anxiety. Like, that's why they do this sort of thing. So when you see people who are, like, are, like, medicating, like, Xanax or Ativan all the time, you're creating, like, anxiety is good. You know, yeah. it gives you, like, a sort of a moral compass. So if you go without, like, it sounds like it'd be great, but it truly makes you, like, It's do... like pain. It's any pain. Yeah. Excessive pain is not good, but, like, you should know when a stove's hot and you're touching yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Oh, crazy. That's wild. I There's wanna, so many wild celebrities. Yeah, I do want to read Molly Shannon's book now. There, it's, it's really, really good. good. Amy, the best books oh. are, like, not about their fame. Yeah, yeah. Amy. I was gonna say Amy Poehler's book really made me sad. Yeah, it sucked because I love her so much, but it just sounds like it's just nothing. It's she just is somebody nothing. who's very resentful of being a woman. I think she really. And I feel bad because I guess she came up in a comedy in a time where it's like you're funny for a woman, you're a woman comedian, and she's so mad about it. But instead yeah. of like leaning into being a woman, she's just like, no, I'm not. Yeah, she's like a boy, a guy's guy. It's like yeah. Yeah. a guy's girl. A guy's, yeah. girl. <laughs> a guy's girl. But it's like there were people like that in comedy, yeah, where you're like, yeah. you're a woman, but you're like more misogynistic than any she had this person whole, I've ever met. Yeah, she had this whole chapter about how being a working mother is actually not hard at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah. I was just like, okay, relatable. Yeah. Like, I was yeah. allowed to be like, I miss my kids when I work, but I like working. Oh, yeah. Like, she was just like, I have a nanny it. and they watch them, whatever. <laughs> It's I so, see him when I see him. Yeah. It's so sad in comedy when like you meet girls and you're like, oh, thank God, like we can be friends. And they're just like more misogynistic. Uh, there was literally yeah. a stand up comedian in LA. Like she was, when I said I was a lesbian, she was like, <sighs> oh my God. Like her entire like body relaxed because like now she realizes I'm not like going She after said, her. oh, you're boy. Yeah. <laughs> she, like, yeah there are this. a lot of comedians yeah. who like female comedians. This is very mean. But like I feel like I've met a couple where I go, oh, it's important to you to be the only woman in this room. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I think like M- Mindy Kaling kind of has that disease. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And like you look at it and you're like, oh, I mean, I, I feel like it's that whole thing where people like get so mad at, especially someone successful like Mindy Kaling for not like representing like women and like people of color well and it's like well she had to get there first <laughs> she she also like the reason she had the jobs she's had is because she like tells white guys that they're the best ones do you know mm-hmm. what I mean like you don't you're not a writer in the writer's room for the office because you were like challenging the status quo there yeah yeah yeah, yeah I feel like we were we were saying this before too but it's like hard where it feels like every person who like to write a biography you have to like have a you have feel like you have to take every sad part of your life every terrible part of your life if you want it to, if your life's been like Ellie Kemper's it's like not yeah. very interesting yeah but the thing you is have to, like, everybody it... has something if they're willing to be honest yeah but I think an Ellie Kemper to be honest is unlikable because she's like running the risk of being sad for herself besides being privileged but there are people who have had can, like good but... lives that can write interesting memoirs also she like she could have written a book. She just would have had to be like open about who she is and what her life actually well, is. And right. it wouldn't even have to be likable or unlikable. Like, I we just did I John always... Stamos, and his book is so boring because Ugh, he God. is so like 
what's it like to be the hottest guy of all time? I great. But if you actually read it, something that really came out in his book is about how often he's taken advantage of by older women. And at the last chapter of the book, he has this like throwaway line about how he's doing some speech for some uh, charity that protects children. And he has this flashback where he suddenly unlocks this memory that he was like abused by his babysitter growing up uh-huh. that he had an, like a teenage babysitter kind of abused him sexually and you're just like okay well there it is like you have had multiple things in your life where women assume that they can't assault you because you're a man and they're a woman a woman but like when you were a good looking teenager and even someone in their young 20s yeah. 18 19 a lot of women were constantly coming on to you and I wonder if you'd be willing to like dig into that and see that like actually you didn't like a lot of those times yeah. and like there is a pattern of this and I mean I think what M. Radad had to do was be like how do you make being so hot hard but there is a story to tell there and I think yeah. John Stamos could have done like a female Emrata thing about being like listen but also I was gonna say you don't even have to make it hard or bad or sad like you can just like honestly tell your stories about like yeah. life and dating and like but Hollywood. I think people are like oh I can't because they like, like don't think yeah, they, they can won't. like it. I always reference I don't think you read it but like Dolly Alderton is yeah. like a British writer and she wrote a memoir at like age 30 about like mostly about friendship up until the point of 30. And it like it was about like love and friendship and like how they play. And she was like very vulnerable about her life and her friendships and her relationships. And it is really good. And it's yeah. not like tragic. It just is a like frank telling of like dating in the modern age. Yeah. And it is it's just like a really good and interesting story. But it's like, do you know what I mean? Like you just yes. have to be willing to like open yeah. yourself up. But I think people get intimidated because there are so many people who have like, like I read Trevor Noah's biography. We're doing that. We're about to. I have to go buy it actually after this. Really good. It was like, real. I mean, I don't read a ton, but I do. I went through a biography phase uh-huh. and I, I did do Ellie Kemper and then Trevor Noah, which back to like, back oh my was God, like, Ellie, wow. Jesus. Yeah. And it did feel like, yeah, this is a person who like should write a book. This is like, yeah. you've yeah. been handed, I, he has stories that it's just like, it, they're. You've been handed apartheid just in I your mean, lap. Like, <laughs> you lucky dog. But even just like the stories from him growing up are like, are just so fascinating. Yeah. Like yeah. he, it, he was also like funny and like very much like clearly a kid who wanted to be like an entrepreneur, but lived in like during such a tough time and like such a bizarre time and lived in a different country from like yeah. the people who were primarily reading this book. And, like it was just very different, very interesting. And I think people read that and they're like, well, how would I make my, you know, but little you know life what? like that? But I'm like, you don't have to. We've read. Yeah. That's the thing is you don't have to just like tell your story. Like what story do you think is important in your life? Like you yeah. don't have to just like write pages or don't. If or you don't, don't think you can come up with something, just don't do it. I, I agree with that. I think but I was going to say, some people I feel like have quite a story, and they write the stupidest fucking book I've ever read, and I'm yeah. like, oh my god. I'm trying to think of, I feel like we've had some where I'm like, wow, this could have been something. Well, and instead, it sucks. I always <laughs> feel with one one person shows, I always find, I, I, was, I always used to say, I'm like, if I ever say I'm going to do a one-woman show, please. <laughs> take me, which now I'm like, I would totally do one. But yeah. I yeah. used to be like, never, because every time I go see one, no matter who it was. And I would see people do who were like really famous. I remember I saw one um, about the girl who played Laura on Little House on the Prairie. Oh. She did a one show. It was a good It wasn't mm-hmm. a bad show or anything. But without fail, they are all about their divorce. Every single one of them is about their divorce. Well, did you see Jacqueline Novak's? No. Okay, that, that is one of the best really things I've ever good. seen. And that's it's a about perfect... her divorce? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's called Get on Your Knees. It's about the first blowjob she ever gave. And I have to say, it's brilliant. It's incredible. Ugh. It made me want to quit stand up. It was so good. And it's frivolous, but it's so funny and poignant. And it's universal. so funny. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say that, like, when you, like, st- the 
what's the she talked about a divorce versus blowjob. It's like Munchausen's in a book where like someone thinks they're suffering. It's like it's so they just come up with all this random bogus crap. They're like, and that's then, the most interesting thing. The yeah, hardest thing yeah. that society would tell me that's the most interesting and thing. And it gets them attention and that's like what Munchausen if you're sick, I get attention. But then there are people who are actually sick. Yeah. You know? yeah. But you don't have to be sick to be interesting. It's yeah. like that three type Because that's yeah. the thing I didn't like about Emrata's book is that I felt like she thought that she doesn't she's not like allowed to speak and it's not interesting unless it's troubled. Yeah. And so I felt like she was like mining her life for tragedy, whereas there is some. Like there is difficulties in like being objectified at a young age and like throughout your entire life and like being kind of like groomed to believe your only value is your body and like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the way that she like would take everything and like milk it for all the tragedy it was worth, I was like, for the love of God, some of it must be fun. Yeah. yeah. Like, why did you start a bikini line if you hate being taking pictures of yourself in a bikini this much? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's hot people. Like, is it the same in the <laughs> like, in, no? In the same way, they don't know what's genuinely funny because they don't get honest feedback. They don't get yeah. feedback on what's interesting because everything is interesting because they're yeah. hot. You know, like sometimes I'll have a hot friend who could just say. She's talking about nothing. And I'm like, oh, my God, people are still listening. Like, I would have, <laughs> if I said this right now, I mean, I'm not hideous, but, like, pe- men would have checked out, like, a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. So That's, it, like, yeah. I just went to a, I just went to a while ago, I went to a short film festival, and there was one film that I was, like, I, that I can, this is unwatchable, because it was, it was beautifully shot, but, but it was, but I don't even know if it was beautifully shot. It was this <laughs> woman who was just, like, she's very skinny, very traditionally attractive, very, she, she was, she was beautiful. It was beautifully person. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she just sat there. It was like, well, that's my thing about minute. photographers who take photos of like the most beautiful, like, I'm sorry. Oh, you take photos of models? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I bet that's hard. You made Kate Moss look good. Incredible work. Yeah, I'm like, take my headshots and yeah, see if you're good look photographer. <laughs> that's what, yeah. yeah, that's what they should do. I mean, the revolve of it all. I'm like, put me in clothes. Show mm-hmm. me looking good. Then I'll buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I was like, what is this shot? It was her in a beach chair, I swear, for 30 seconds. And I was like, but what is this about? Like, what is happening? If I was sitting in this beach chair being filmed, this would like not be in so this brave. festival. This would have been people that's I know. Yeah. Are, so wow, what a beautiful film. I'm not I'm not saying bravery. that like as a dig, no, but like, truly. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. But mm-hmm. thank you so much for being on our thank podcast. You. This is such a treat. Oh wait, I have, do have one last question. Yeah. If you if you could tell one celebrity just redo it, like just edit it a little bit more, who would you say? Probably Shania. Shania had a great story and I wish she had had an editor. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to read that book. <sighs> On the other hand, Alec Baldwin did not have a ghostwriter. And I really think that showed his, who he was better than mm-hmm. a professional could have. Well, because yeah. they would have said, we're not putting that in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like dictated, like just like literally. Down, yeah. And it was like you could feel him in his study looking out the window, like thinking he sounded so smart. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so sad. There are some people you read their biographies. And you're like, this kind of feels like what I would have written in seventh grade. Yeah. And it, it is very fascinating where you're like, I don't know if I wanted you to have a ghostwriter. Like, I know people like hate on that. But at yeah. the same no, time, we like, love on it. We love a yeah. ghostwriter. Why ghost would they be? It's hard to write a book. Yeah. yeah. Why would somebody who's never done it before be able to start with like the hardest thing of all to look at your own life? Oh, my God. Remember when that part of Alec Baldwin's book when he was like, I am that squirrel? <laughs> oh, my God. I Okay, we have to read it. We, yeah. I have a bunch I have to well, read. I want to start with Molly Shannon's and Shania Twain. Yeah. 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 But we will listen to the podcast episodes. Actually, where can people find you? Um, wherever you get podcasts. We're also Celebrity Memoir Book Club on all socials. Yay. Yay. And um, if you want to listen to the BCC Club, 
We are on Spotify. We're here in the Spotify offices today, which we're super excited. That's where mm-hmm. we're able to do this with you guys. You guys are New Yorkers. Yeah. yeah. from the New York Spotify offices. And um, if you're listening on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And thank you so much for coming and doing this. We're so, we were so, we had so much fun. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having yeah. us. Thank you for having us. Yes. All right. Any last words, Sarah? No, but thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Finding a doctor is truly the hardest thing on planet Earth, which is so unfortunate because when you're feeling really sick, the last thing you want to do is talk to an old man who has no idea what you're going through and doesn't understand anything about medical stuff or science and just tells you to drink more water. That is just the worst feeling ever. And that's why I use ZocDoc. If you listen to this podcast, you know I'm obsessed with ZocDoc. It's the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable and actually listen to you. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Go to ZocDoc.com BCC and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc.com BCC. ZocDoc.com BCC.